Hello and welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intricasso. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, do me a favor and go give us a baller rating on iTunes because it helps us out a bunch. We're going to start doing some shout-outs to listeners who give us a great rating on the air. I'll read a new five-star rating verbatim each episode and credit the person who left it. Make me say anything you want, but keep it clean. This is a family D&D news podcast. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. Today... We're talking about the RPG Twitter community. Let's meet the panel and kick things off with our get-to-know-you question. What is the greatest RPG tweet ever written? And with us today is Sly Flourish himself, Mike Shea. Mike, how are you? What is the greatest RPG tweet ever written? Oh, I can't believe you picked me first because I'm going to eat up all the time on this. <laughs> uh so I actually went through and tried to determine with science which is the best <laughs> D&D tweet. And I have I am sitting on a glorious database that I started last year of 125,000 D&D tweets Whoa. that I've captured. And I ran some metrics on it and I came up with the with the best D&D tweet. And it is in fact Cthulhu has awakened <laughs> with a picture of a cat that appears to be nursing a number of gross-looking kittens. Huh. <laughs> uh, published by a, uh, a a fine tweeter known as the Grand DM hmm. at Grand DM. Nice. Uh, got retweeted 365 times. Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, it does sort of perfectly intersect with the in the nerd Venn diagram cats. And yes. Lovecraft being exactly. brought together. Right. If you ever uh, need, if you, if you needed to know <laughs> how to make it on Twitter, I would argue. Uh, so, so that's my scientifically generated best tweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my most subjective best tweet, I would say, is uh, uh, Matthew Mercer, mm-hmm. who posted mm-hmm. about his D and D game that he ran for Vin Diesel, yes. which I think is a pretty. Imp- I would say had a lot of impact. Yes. Uh, that one was retweeted three hundred and eighty one times, but he didn't use the D and D hashtag. Shame on him. So it didn't actually show up in my database. Matt Mercer, if you're listening, and I know you're probably not, use that D&D hashtag, yeah, please. Hashtag. <laughs> D ampersand diesel does not work as a hashtag. Oh, Ampersands and hashtags do not play well together. That's true. That's true. They don't. They don't. Uh, and also with us, Roundtable regular, is Liz Tice. Liz, what is the greatest RPG tweet ever written? Um, my favorite is actually pretty recent. Uh, during a GOP debate, Ooh. Patton Oswalt said, <laughs> uh, Fantasy Football, F-U, CNBC, I'm going to rate these candidates with D&D stats. Yes. And he then followed that up with... D&D stats for every single GOP candidate. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Regardless of your politics, which way you lean, it was clever and fun to watch. Um, I hope he does the same thing for all of the candidates, but it was definitely fun to see his D&D stats for people like Ben Carson and, of course, <laughs> Donald Trump as a level 20 demi-lich. So (laughs) it was current and clever and I loved it. Yes. Yes. And as a, uh, as a hometown boy from New Jersey, uh, seeing Chris Christie be uh, shambling mounded uh, was, was pretty amazing as well. So that sounds uh, dirty. Yes. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, (laughs) uh, And of course, that is the voice of the newbie DM, Enrique Bertrand. Enrique, what is the greatest RPG tweet ever written? Let me go down my timeline and see what's the last thing I tweeted. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Because that would be it. Let me see. Hold on. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm serious here. Um, I tweeted. Oh, I tweeted swoon. With a picture of Han Solo. That that's not D and D related. <laughs> oh, okay. This is a. Uh, I tweeted a link to the Chris Perkins at Gamehole Con um, recap. Oh yes, yeah. That well, is the greatest D and D tweet ever. Tweeted. Ever. Wow. Yes. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I mean, it is subjective, so you can't be wrong. Can't uh, be wrong. Um, and new to the roundtable tonight is 
Liz Bauman. Liz is new to the roundtable, but certainly not new to the RPG community. Liz, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get to the get to know you question. Awesome. Hi, I'm I'm other Liz. Liz <laughs> I guess. Um, we'll go with that. Um, so I am a gamer, a mom, a marketing professional, and an owner of the laziest Boston Terrier you've ever seen in your life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I have been running and hosting RPG Chat for the better part of five years at this point, which is a weekly um, Twitter-based gaming event where we all gather on Thursday evenings from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern to talk about games, and it's a pretty awesome avenue for keeping kind of the hobby alive, especially for people who don't get the opportunity to play very often. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty fun venue for sort of scratching that itch and getting to talk about rolling dice and fighting dragons. Nice, nice. And how does RPG chat work uh, during that time frame? Do you have a specific theme each week that you're, uh, you know, or a topic that Mm -hmm. you're talking about? Absolutely, we sure do. Um, And so if you check out theilluminerdy.com at about noon on every Thursday, I post what the topic for the upcoming chat will be. Um, And we spend the hour sort of, uh, unlike other Twitter chats, it's more laid back. It's not Mm -hmm. like a Mm Q&A style where there's like question one, you know, what do you do when somebody rolls a one? (laughs) It's um, (laughs) much more... um, sort of guided by the participants and uh, crowdsourced in sort of the way that we talk about whatever is at hand for the week. Um, Additionally, I guess I could plug the fact that patreon.com forward slash RPG chat is home to uh, sneak peeks every Tuesday as well. Uh, And so we hang out, we talk about whatever we're talking about that week. And it's a pretty fun way to connect with gamers who are literally around the world. Well, Enrique, uh, said that you should come on this podcast and okay. I think it was a great idea because who great. better to talk about the RPG Twitter community than someone who is hosting such an event. And with that in mind, you must have read thousands of RPG tweets. Uh, and yeah. therefore I look to you for the definitive answer of what is the best RPG tweet ever written? So this is an interesting question for me because I have spent so much time like not just dispensing advice myself but sifting through the advice of others and so I I thought really long and really hard about it and there just wasn't one definitive moment that came to mind and so the way that I handled it was to open up my archive of a recent topic that I really liked which was about narrative control Um, and I keep sort of a running excel sheet while it's going where I'm copy pasting things that I really enjoy Mm-hmm. And interestingly, um, the top tweet from the narrative control session was um, from everybody's favorite Bill Cavalier. Oh, hey. ah, yes, yes. <laughs> who um, dominated that particular chat with like just abundant advice on you know different ways that you can pass control back and forth between DM and players and all sorts of interesting things. And he had said, and I quote, narrative control is like a play versus improv. You can script out all the beats or you can watch for suggestions and implement them. Mm. And it was a really profound moment for me because I was just struggling with um, getting ready to run a game at the DC Game Day and trying to really give up narrative control for the duration of the game. Um, Very open-ended game, which isn't my usual style. And so like, it was a moment when I like read it it sunk into my bones and then I applied it to a game that I was running and it worked perfectly. And so there you go. Maybe not the greatest ever, but certainly a really great tweet. Yes. A really great tweet. And it was advice that was good for you. So, you know, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, We are talking about the Twitter community today because Enrique uh, listened to our episode of The Roundtable, which will be linked in the show notes over at thetomeshow.com, where we talked about the closing of the D&D forums, and he was sad that Twitter did not get enough love. Um, And and I want to be clear here that uh, I think... 
you know, I love Twitter. I love using it to talk about RPGs. Uh, I got a Twitter account um, when I started this podcast, so I did not have one before then. So I'm I'm on there specifically to to chat RPGs and everything. Enrique, I think you felt a little bit like Twitter wasn't getting any love. There are things that forums are good for uh, that social media, specifically Twitter, is maybe not as good for but there are a lot of things that twitter is really really great at which is you know why uh wizard said that they are closing the forums um so i think our first question here is going to be what is so great about twitter when it comes to talking about rpgs uh and enrique why don't we start with you uh much like you i opened up my twitter account when i started blogging about uh D&D <clears throat> back when fourth edition came out and what I and I was new to Twitter. I had never been uh, introduced to Twitter before, so I I sort of discovered Twitter and what it could do around the same time. I was trying to build my site and try to build a name for myself in the D and D community. So it kind of all came together at the same time. And I found Twitter to be a great place to build um, community through the use of the hashtag, the D and D hashtag, and and finding people that all all they were doing all day was talking D and D on Twitter. And I thought, Jesus, I found Nirvana. These are my people. Um, we I, immediately I, I found people like like Mike was talking D and D and blogging D and D. People like uh, the, the Critical Hits guys, Dave Chalker, and people people involved in, in the D and D community who were using Twitter as a way to link back to their blogs, um, expand on what they had written about in their blogs, provide context to 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 different things. You have access to creators of the game, designers who are, who are there to answer questions and and interact with the fans in a way that that that's almost real time, for the most part. If you're if you're sitting in front of a computer or on your phone or whatever, like me, the way I use Twitter, I, I have a window open at work and I'm just sitting at my desk and the window's going and and if people talk to me, I'm I'm there to answer in real time and and it it feels it to me it feels like it's a, it's a huge community. And everybody's accessible pretty much all the time. It, it, it's, I'm not waiting for, for a post for someone to come back and, and read a post. I don't, know, I, I don't know how you guys use Twitter, but I don't necessarily scroll up and down my, my, my feed at the end of the day. If I miss it throughout the day, then it's gone. I'm really using it more in real time, unlike on, on, on a forum where you're going in and you're going through the threads and whatnot. So I found a, a real sense of community there, and I've made some some real good friendships using Twitter. I have to say that it that uh, you know a guy like Mike, who I've met in real life, who I've spent time with in person, I consider Mike a friend, and I met Mike through Twitter. And I, I suspect a lot of people are are in the same boat as me. Sure, sure. I mean, the first time you and I connected uh, was definitely over Twitter as well. Um, yeah. You know, we were you started reached out to me about the roundtable. Uh, and I'll be honest, I felt like a real celebrity had uh, had reached out to no, talk to me about something. No I celebrity. Mean, <laughs> you definitely are. You definitely are. Uh, and and part of that uh, has to do with Twitter, right? Like you are able to help people because you are there talking with them in real time, which I think Twitter is great for. It's great to have a huge conversation uh, that people can jump in and out of uh, pretty easily. Imagine if you're a fan of something, anything. And like, I'll give you an example. One time I, I tweeted some, I'm a huge movie fan. Aside from, from gaming, I'm big time. I follow a lot of directors on Twitter and whatnot. And I tweeted something about Jurassic Park and the director of Jurassic World uh, answered back to me. And I'm like, dude, this is awesome. How can anyone not like using Twitter? It's, it's, I, it's just a fantastic, it's a fantastic way to communicate. It's a fantastic tool to have. And, and I have nothing but good things to say about it. Yeah, it does make people who are normally inaccessible more accessible sometimes, too. Absolutely. Which is great. Uh, you know, especially uh, in the case of RPGs, designers, and things like that. Um, you know, it's been my main way of getting people to come on to the podcast, which yep. is great. Uh, Mike, what about you? What is Twitter great for? You know, you d- do a ton of research, uh, like you mentioned, with Twitter, uh, looking at the D&D hashtag and that kind of thing. You've created various um, Twitter bots. Yeah, uh, that, I've that, lost track. Yeah, yeah, that retweet D&D things and, and that kind of thing. Um, how is Twitter great? I think that next to my iPhone, Twitter is the next thing that makes me feel like I'm living in a William Gibson novel. Um, you know, the guy wrote Neuromancer and whatnot. It's like science fiction to me. Um, on Friday, 
uh, I came home and, and like a lot of people, I was, I was pretty, you know, uh, kind of drawn to the, the, the situation going on in France and the president of France, the president of the United States and the propaganda arm of ISIS were all using Twitter to push their particular part of that situation. And I'm thinking like, you know, how, how crazy is it that a, a system like this that's owned by a single company is being used as the main arm of instant communication from these massive players in the world. And, you know, I, it's like seven years ago, no one would ever believe that that would be the case. Sure. Yeah. You know, it was so, and, and that, that, I mean, obviously the situation, you know, drew, drew me a lot, but part of it was like this, the, the, I mean, the, the, the power of social media and the power of a lot of this stuff is, is just getting known. And we're seeing both sides of it. You know, the whole, the fact that terrorists are able to use it as a propaganda arm and, and as a recruiting tool and, you know, major political players have to constantly worry about what their image is like because they say the wrong thing and thing and 2 million people will retweet it instantly. Mm-hmm. So it's a really, to me, it's like, it's an incredible, powerful arm. I, I've, I've referred to it as the, you know, the, the intellectual DNA strand of the planet. You know, it's like the one place where you can get like, I think it's about a quarter of the planet is on Twitter. Wow. And then maybe not a quarter, but like, it's like a fifth of the planet, right? There's no other sample size as big as that, <laughs> that can tell you what kind of is on people's minds, even if it's ridiculous, you know, ridiculous stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, so I find it fascinating from that. I also think that there's kind of two components to it. One of which many people complain about, which is the fixed size of the messages. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would not be able to deal with it if it was any bigger. Oh yeah. And, and the idea that people really have, you know, to me, it's like everybody has to kind of narrow their thoughts down to a haiku, which, of course, for like long form writers really hurts. You know, that's why a lot of us write blog articles and then link to blog articles because we're like, I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be restrained to, to, you know, 140 characters, but I can, you know, write 1500 words on an article and then link to it. Um, the other thing is, I think that it's, it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's sort of a meritocracy that you know, this, this probably, you know, is going to drive a bunch of people crazy. This is like Stephen King one time said that to be a successful writer, you're a successful writer. If you make enough money from what you write to pay your electric bill. Right. And, and that immediately like, it's, Oh, there's plenty of successful writers that nobody really heard of. And he's like, look, if they didn't hear you, you're not successful. (laughs) And, and I feel kind of the same way with Twitter that people kind of get the attention that they deserve on Twitter. Mm. And if, if, you know, I mean, there, there are ways, and I think we'll, we'll certainly talk more about it, about how people are able to get attention that they don't deserve on Twitter. Sure. But, but generally speaking, like I, I only follow the people that I've decided are worth following. Mm-hmm. And I've eliminated people that I don't think are worth following. Right. And, and then there are plenty of people where I think they're worth following, but I can't keep up. Or <laughs> you know, there are other reasons why, you know, why I might not follow people other than, um, you know, they're terrible, right? And more, more, a lot of it has to do with like, how much can I take? Right, you know, right. Given time, or are they talking about the topics I'm interested in or or whatever? There's also kind of a frown rule. Like, even if it's people I like and I respect, if they make me frown a lot, then then I'll probably not continue to follow them. Sure, um, sure. Or if they fill up your feed and you can't read anybody else's feed. Yeah, and right. and then there are ways to deal with the one of the reasons why I've written like you know 15 different bots and all these different lists and all this other stuff is that I'm trying to. You know, there's lots of times where like I can't make it part of my main feed, but I still want to follow it somehow. And so I have other things that, that do that. That's why I use like, uh, not to plug it, but dndtweets.com, right? right? Which is a way for me to keep track of the D&D hashtag without watching it all the time and do it without just timeline base and do it instead of, you know, are people, are people actively retweeting stuff in the D&D hashtag? If they are, then I'd like to see it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, uh, I do have a question for you. Um, this is just a, a small sidetrack. Are you, did you write the uh, fly slurish? Twitter no, <laughs> some jerk wrote that. <laughs> I have it on good authority that Fly Slurish and the Stoned Beholder are the <clears> same <throat> person. <laughs> the same I, person. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> and not only that, but they're on this very podcast. Wow. Wow. Liz Bauman, I am shocked <laughs> uh, that you would do that, honestly. Um, Liz Bauman... Why don't you tell us a little bit, what is so awesome about Twitter for talking RPGs? An excellent question. So I think that the thing that stands out to me is that because Twitter is so easy to use, it's on my phone, it's on my computer, it's everywhere I go, 
is that it's there when a game and a gaming group is not. Um, I started using Twitter heavily when I was, you know, in the postpartum haze from having my first kid. And I was up at late with a nursing newborn and I was feeling super isolated and Mm. cut off from all of the things that made me feel like a person. Sure. And as I was sort of like struggling to redefine myself, like as both a mom and a writer and an editor and whatever, like I was trying to cling to a place in a way that I could still talk about games and be involved in games, even if I didn't necessarily have the bandwidth to sit down and roll dice every week anymore. Mm. And so Twitter filled that void for me just very naturally. And I was able to connect not just with other moms who played games, but like, you know, like it's so horizontal. And so I was able to connect with designers who were making games. I was able to get involved in beta testing and like actually talking to people who were making games that were, you know, coming out in the future rather than just being a consumer of a book that I went to my store to buy. And so like that's point number one. It was like this this lighthouse for me in in a time when I really felt very adrift um, that sort of just reconnected me to the hobby. And if it wasn't there, I don't think that I would be gaming now because I just would have been so cut off. And I think that that's what happens to just a ton of people that, you know, they stop playing games because they got a job that made it hard to do it and they never come back to it. And so that lifeline to maintain that connection was really vital for me and is for a lot of other people. Um, and the second thing is that it's like, can you think about going to a convention without Twitter? (laughs) Like just how easy it is to like, know what's going on to meet up with people, you know, meet up with people you don't know. It's like, it's completely changed the way that I go to Gen Con Mm -hmm. since, you know, I first started going to the present. It actually fills me with a lot more stress than it used to when I didn't have Twitter. Oh, yeah? And and part of the reason why is wherever I am at Gen Con, I feel like there's three other things I could be doing at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, and it, and it, it actually, I've, I've come back. This. I know. Sorry, go it, ahead. It exposes you to this, this depth of the convention. You're seeing the convention that everybody else right. is having. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and there's part of me that always, there's like this grass is greener sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Where like, I'm like, oh, I think they might be having more fun over there and I'm stuck in this loser game. Mike, I yeah, I'm sitting here with with James in her castle, and I could be way over there, <laughs> you know, hanging out with awesome people. Well, I mean, you could hang out with awesome people, or you could hang out with the awesomest person at Gen That's Con, true. which is clearly me. <laughs> that, that game was pretty awesome too. <laughs> was Mike Joe's game, but it was yeah, pretty- I believe you're experiencing what the Twitterverse calls FOMO. So uh, you can uh, you can look that. That's another phrase the kids on, are using these let days. Let me Google that. <laughs> but Liz, uh you were saying about conventions. I think that's a great point. Um you know, it certainly uh helps you know where things are and meet up with people who maybe you only know through Twitter or social media um mm-hmm. and you don't actually have a phone number for, you know, which is which is great because you don't necessarily want every single person who follows you on Twitter to have your cell phone number, you know. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you love about uh, Twitter? There, I mean, there's a million billion things that I love about Twitter. So let somebody else talk for a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Liz Tice, I wanted to bring you into this conversation um, because what we have before us uh, with with these three lovely other panelists are D&D powerhouses. Uh, you know, they all reference D&D some way in their name uh, or role-playing games. Um, they all have well over a thousand followers uh, and they're sort of known for what they tweet about in the RPG community. Although I will say, if you want some great Star Wars tweets, you should also follow Enrique. Um, you know, because there's some some really great passion coming out of out of that account. Uh, so uh, it gets me more and more excited. Uh, more excited than the trailers do is following Newbie DM um, for, uh, for the new Star Wars movies. But I digress. 
Liz, I'm, I brought you in because you're a little closer to where I am. Um, your Twitter handle is just your name. Uh, you don't have thousands of followers. And you are definitely a part of this community. You work in the industry. Um, so, you know, you're certainly known for that. But then you also, you know, you tweet about a lot of other things as well. Um, Mostly my dog. But yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's not to say that everybody here isn't also tweeting about other stuff. They all definitely, definitely are. Um, but what are you uh, finding is great about the uh, RPG community as uh, someone who uh, has, is, you know, one of the normies, if you will? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, that's a great question. Uh, so I, I had a Twitter account, um, before I started working in the industry and I used to always say, Oh my gosh, I hate Twitter. I hate Twitter. Like I was <laughs> proud that I hated Twitter. Um, but I started uh, using my Twitter account more when I started working with Lone Wolf and working in the RPG industry because I was starting to realize it was actually not only valuable um, to me professionally, to get, you know, sort of keep tabs on what was important to the community um, and to sort of hear what were the hot topics, but that it was actually really a great way for me personally to keep in touch with gaming. I had just moved across the country and had lost my regular gaming group. So, you know, I didn't have my, my usual gaming night with my friends. And it's, it's a lot of what Liz was talking about earlier of having that connection to your hobby when you might not be able to get together with your group um, every week or every month or even every other month to be able to game. Um, so I found myself going onto Twitter more often, not, not necessarily to tweet or, you know, gaining followers, but being one of those sort of passive, passive observers, looking at people like newbie DM <laughs> tweeting about, um, this, this, hobby that was so important to me. Um, and it, it's really funny, actually. My dad had a chance to meet Enrique at Gen Con, I think two Gen Cons ago. And my dad's not on Twitter, but he's like, do you know who this Enrique person is? Apparently, he's really important. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're talking about new BDM. <laughs> I, play, I, played, I played with your dad at 13. I remember we played 13th yeah, age together. Yeah, yeah. And so I sort of had a little bit of a Twitter uh, fangirl moment of, oh my gosh, yes, I know who that is. Um, and this past um, Gen Con, I was at the Diana Jones Awards and saw uh, Liz and um, Lindsay, Geek Lindsay, for those of <laughs> who don't know, like across the room. And I was like, I know them. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I was in a conversation, so I didn't have a chance to awkwardly introduce myself being like, I follow you on Twitter, awkward moment. Um, <laughs> but it's it's been very strange for me um working in the industry and making those connections but also just as a gamer myself taking advantage of all of the resources that are available through twitter uh, i i love it there are some um some things i don't love about twitter and i'm sure we'll go into that next but <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part i i i find uh twitter valuable uh as as the outsider normal person you know that is the next question is um you know we there's it sounds like there's a lot that's great about twitter and i'll be honest uh when liz tice and liz bauman were telling their stories about how twitter kept them connected to the rpg community i was like well that right there makes it the best um you know i i got a little misty there actually uh when you were yeah. talking liz bauman because it's yeah i don't want anybody to miss out on gaming uh if they love it that much you know um so my question, though, would be, um, are there things about Twitter that are maybe not as great for discussing RPGs? Mike, you talked a little bit about the character length, um, you know, and, and Enrique, you talked about kind of the impermanence of it, uh, how you can you can sort of lose a thread very easily, especially if you're bombarded with a lot of different tweets. Um, Liz Tice, why don't we start with you? Uh, tell us what it is that you are not a fan of about Twitter, um, since you used to be a big Twitter hater. <laughs> I mean, uh, for me, I I often feel like I when when it comes to tweeting, I don't have anything like 
interesting to say. Um, so I often will, you know, go to tweet and then go, well, no one wants to know that. Um, so th- I think that's why I have probably a lot fewer tweets than um, many other people. Uh, so maybe it's just a matter of, you know, say- getting over it and saying, well, if people don't find me interesting, they can unfollow me. Um, but from a... I guess I'll I'll come from a customer service perspective. Um, Since I do work in the industry, it is sometimes uh, challenging being, you know, being the company, um, and I'm sure Wizards or or Paizo or what have you, any other publisher runs into this, where it's it's difficult to give customer service over Twitter with a limited number of characters. And, um, you know, we've talked about this already, where people, when they tweet, expect real-time answers. And a lot of these companies have limited staffing. Um, so those real-time answers, even though they're expected, might not actually be practical. So those are some of the the, the frustrations that I run into um, with uh, Twitter and and dealing with the customer service perspective. Yeah, it is funny. I do think the the expectation of getting something free when you complain loudly enough or you get enough mm-hmm. people to to retweet you, um, you know, with the with your I hate this brand of salsa. I found a fingernail in it or whatever. Um, you know, uh, that's a really gross example. But um, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, I've I've dealt with that where I've you know had someone tweet at us and it was you know very frustrated got retweeted by a number of people turns out that there was a misunderstanding on their part and they admitted that but of course that didn't get retweeted (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was wrong okay cool can all those you know people that retweeted your ah you guys are stupid i hate you (laughs) retweet (laughs) the acknowledgement that you were wrong that would be great but of course you can't say that so it's it's a little frustrating um sometimes that unlike um on forums where someone's maybe seeing the whole conversation you only sometimes see the partial conversation. Um, and usually it's the, I mean, it feels like it, but sometimes that's just the part that you don't necessarily want to be seen in a vacuum. Sure, sure. Well, and, you know, I think it's worth noting that, uh, um, you know, this is, you're, you're certainly talking about customer service. Uh, and I'm sure um, anytime you talk about social media, a certain percentage a small percentage of people can sometimes ruin people's good time through any medium right um oh for be sure it, be it youtube comments or uh or forums or or what have you so um you know for sure. uh any anytime something makes a person more accessible it also makes them more accessible to jerks um so uh so that's <laughs> yeah. i'm sure going to come up uh liz bauman what about you um what do you think are some of the drawbacks when it comes to twitter not a secret that Twitter has dark corners, especially I think for women in gaming. Uh huh. Oh yes. Yeah. That is that <laughs> um, has been made more clear this year. Uh. <laughs> yes. And so, I mean, from like entirely innocent dudes who you know would treat me like I don't know what games are, <laughs> to um, you know the more malicious side where there you know are people who legitimately think that like my feminist ideals are a threat to the integrity of games. Every time that I I send a tweet, I like I stop for a moment and think about what the response will be. Um, and so there is, I mean, on the one hand, this interesting effect where like I think about what I say. Um, you know, I think about it hard, and I think about who's going to respond and what sort of thing they're going to say to me. Um, but I also, you know, think that it as much as it's given women a platform to talk about games it's also opened the doors to a lot of negativity and so you know that sort of free platform that allows very horizontal access to people across our industry also means that real jerks can be real jerks in 140 characters and there's nothing that I can do about it um you know short of making my profile private or like not having an account I guess but <laughs> Which anybody would defeat the whole point, me, right? <laughs> anybody who's seen my Twitter stream knows that like I'm not I'm not deleting my account anytime soon. So um, <laughs> Yeah, it so would sorry. It's an interesting like and tricky dynamic. It is empowering but also 
scary. Yeah, I mean, so the one thing that that occurs to me is it's one one of the reasons I like Twitter is that generally generally speaking, I can follow the people I want to follow, and and if they're jerks, I don't follow them. The hard part is with the replies, right? And I I think it's the replies that you're talking about. If you put out a tweet. Mm-hmm. You know, then jerks will reply to you, and there really isn't a good filter for that. Anybody can reply to you. Yep. And you know, like, and, I'm thankful for the like only people I follow feature, which yeah. I, you know, will occasionally go on like a a general, you know, mentions hiatus. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, right. And that's what I was trying to think. It was like if only there was, you know, every. I, I think, and actually, uh, uh, oh God, what's his name? The guy that invented Twitter said that the number one technology that we're going to have to figure out is essentially the giant whitelist, mm. yep. you know, the internet-wide whitelist. And how do you get it so that I only want to read? It was actually sort of like the attention filter. How do I make sure that the attention I'm applying, I'm only putting on things that I actually want to apply my attention to? Mm-hmm. And the Twitter has this gaping hole, which is the anybody can, you know, at reply. And and I think you're right. There's you know there's a, there's an obvious huge difference between I you know in my experience being a, a male on Twitter and being female on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, because my my jerk ratio is oh, yeah. really really low. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> the number of times I get somebody that sends me a tweet that makes me frown is one in a probably one in a thousand. Mm-hmm. And and it, and I think it sucks that it's you know that that's the case. Not I mean I'm I'm happy that I only get one in a thousand. But, you know, I think I think it's it's pretty terrible that there's this, this absolutely clear, you know, difference in in what a woman has to deal with what, on Twitter and what a man has to deal with on Twitter. For a, a few like several months ago, I had instituted a policy and I pinned a tweet to the top of my profile that was like, if you explain my joke or my tweet to me, I'm going to invoice you for five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's an awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I made a little money and also a few enemies. <laughs> that's <laughs> actually you invoiced them and they paid? Yes. That is awesome. Yeah. Uh can I just say that that is my entry for greatest RPG tweet ever written? So <laughs> uh Liz, go ahead. Yeah, I mean I Liz, other Liz. Uh <laughs> It, I'm glad you brought that up. It's it's something I struggled with a lot, especially when the whole uh, Gamergate thing was sort of just beginning. I there was so much that so many times where I wanted to tweet something and I and I found myself pausing, and part of it was like one I don't want to deal with you know people being just awful right coming out of those dark corners. And two, I was worried about the ramifications that it could have because a lot of people do know that I work in the industry mm-hmm. and how could that potentially affect my job and and thus my employer. So it was, it was awful that I was stopping and worrying about those things when I felt like I should be able to say what I wanted to say, say what I thought. And it's it's just such a frustrating position to be in. I think part of it is because <clears throat> because Twitter, I think there's an assumption that since it's public and your timeline is public, any Tom, Dick, or Harry can just jump into your mansions and start talking to you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't want that. Sometimes you're like, dude, go away. No, but no, dude, go away. And then that's 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 for me, that's one of the drawbacks of Twitter, that people feel that somehow you owe them a conversation or you owe them a, a, you owe them something just because you're on there and you're talking and maybe I don't want to talk to you. Maybe I'm not interested in what you're talking about. Maybe I have no, maybe I can't talk right now. Maybe X or Y, whatever. It's, it's my Twitter's mine when I'm using it. It's Twitter's mine and everything around it is mine. And I control my experience on Twitter. And just because I'm on there and you can see me doesn't mean you have the right to come and, and on my timeline and start bothering me or start asking me questions or start asking me to do this or talk to me about that. Not that it happens a lot because I, you know, I don't have a lot of jerks that do that to me. Quite the contrary. I have a great, great Twitter experience, but I do see the potential for, for, for that to happen. And I know it happens because I know people that it happens to. And I think for me, that's one of the drawbacks of, of, of such an open forum that you have to deal with. You know, it's like if you're standing in a street corner and someone comes and taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, let's have a conversation. And you're like, no, I don't want to talk to you. And that's kind of how I see Twitter. It's you're standing there and, and, and you're like in a big room full of people 
And some people you want to talk to, some people you don't want to, and you should be able to control that. And you should be able to feel comfortable saying, dude, I don't want to talk to you right now. And to me, that's one of the big drawback, drawbacks of, of Twitter. That and then the other big one for me is uh, when my timeline gets flooded with whatever the flavor of the day is that I may not be interested in because I use Twitter for very specific reasons. And I feel like I have to close it and walk away and come back in a few hours when whatever it is dies down a bit. But, you know, that sort of stuff comes with the territory and that's fine. I live with it because I really do enjoy the the service and the tool. So it's not that big of a deal for me. And comparing like Twitter to forums and, and Twitter to other sort of comment systems, I think there's 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 still that 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 very um, kind of caustic anybody can reply to you you know this this kind of the, the gaping hole where anybody can reach you and, and and do stuff but one nice thing is they can't reach the rest of your audience that way so um you know that that's where i think that the, the, the sort of meritocracy comes in that um i've often one of the reasons i've never had comments on my blog is because some any jerk could go and add a comment and i'm like look i i worked hard to get the the, the viewers to read the article and it got hijacked by one person who just wanted to add a snarky comment under the bottom. Mm-hmm. And good point. With with Twitter, that doesn't really exist. It's one of the reasons I like Twitter far more than in other other things that sort of have a comment board on them. Sure. Um, is that you know if I have a jerk who doesn't you know who you know who who says something, they're only saying it to me, and I can pretty much just block them, and then I never have to deal with them again. And they never reached anyone else, you know. Or if they did, it's a different story. Like if it's you know, if it's a jerk with a high followership, but that's a different story, you know, but then there's some reason they have that high amount of followers that, you know, it, at, at the very least warrants some level of attention. Um, but, you know, with, with on a, on a message form, for example, you know, derailing message forms, is like a, a, a pastime sport, you know, and, yeah. and, um, that, that, that kind of derailment doesn't necessarily happen because of the, the, the interesting network of followers, you know, of followers and followings uh, that occurs on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. Comments, uh, uh, snarky comments, are paid the exact amount of attention attention usually that uh, that they should be. Although I will also throw out that, like, you know, I've uh, very, very rarely uh, gotten the occasional uh, jerk tweet or jerk comment or, you know, you invite that stuff when you're posting your blog all over the Internet and, and that kind of thing anyway. And, man, it, it is one of those things that I don't know uh, if I'm just too shakable or whatever, but I am like, oh, God, whenever, whenever it gets me, it does bother me yeah. as much as I don't want it to, you know? Um, so. Yeah, I mean, that's why I can't even imagine having to deal deal with the kind of stuff that, that you know, the Liz's have to deal with because, right. you know, I get one and it's like this giant week-long creative suck for me, right. you know, where like, I, I can't possibly write an article. That guy, you know, is a jerk. <laughs> and, and I can't imagine having to deal with that on a daily basis and multiple times a day. Um, well, let's, uh, why don't, why don't we talk a little bit about, uh, what people can do specifically with Twitter and RPGs and how people can be better members of the RPG community. Like what is a great way if people are out there listening and they're like, man, my Twitter account, I just don't, you know, I, I, I want to talk RPGs, but I don't really know how to like jump into conversations and I, I don't know what I should be talking about and that kind of thing. Obviously, I think the using uh, RPG chat is a great way to jump in. But what are some other ways that people can get involved, be great members of the Twitter community and talk about RPGs? Liz Bauman, let's start with you. Um, so I think that one of the biggest, like most important things that you can do is to... Open up your favorite game books, look at the people's names, and then find them. Find them and be passive and at first, especially, in how you consume what they have to say. Because sort of like we were talking about earlier is like, you know, they don't owe you a conversation, but you can learn so much from them. Um, you know, whether you are wanting advice on running a game, wanting a, you know, you know, thinking about writing a game of your own, you know, the frequency with which you are going to see, you know, something Dave Chalker tweet about something awesome about game development is pretty significant. And so take the time to search them out, number one. 
Um, number two, I think, is if you are going to write a tweet, take a moment and ask yourself a simple question. Like, is the piece of information that you are attempting to deliver to a person something that you understand implicitly? And if so, don't send it. Mm. Just, just don't. Because <laughs> unless somebody is asking a very specific question, looking for that information, like think for just a second that they might be as smart as you are and, you know, apply that doubly if you are tweeting at a woman. So, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, uh <laughs> I can't, uh, that's also should be true before you open your mouth and speak to someone. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'll just add on there. <laughs> Uh wow. Yeah, no, I think you're you're right and I do see a ton of that on Twitter. A ton yeah. of that. It's just like so you know when you learn in like early grammar classes about the implied you at the beginning of a sentence. Mhm. Um that you can be the subject of a sentence without it being in the sentence. Mm -hmm. Um if like the if there is an implied well actually at the beginning of your sentence, just stop. Delete it. <laughs> move on <laughs> you know like if it's you know i know you didn't type it because you understand that if you say well actually everybody is going to mock you but well that and there's the character limit <laughs> yeah, exactly and so given no character limits if you would have started that sentence with well actually just full stop like delete your tweet delete your twitter just go be someplace that's not on the internet the end <laughs> Yeah, and I, I believe me, I understand the urge to do that. Um, you know, we, we deal with game rules all the time and are constantly interpreting them and, and telling each other how they work at the table and that kind of thing. I get the urge, but go to screamintothevoid.com and type it there. Uh, uh, do not type that kind of thing on Twitter. I could not agree more. Um, so, uh, which if you guys haven't seen Scream Into the Void, it is an amazing site. Uh, <laughs> check that out. Uh, Enrique, what about you? What's a great way for people who want to get involved in the RPG conversation on Twitter to get involved and how can they be better community members? I think, I think one of the things you, you got to do is first, even before you start tweeting the greatest tweet ever tweeted, you need to Take a look and see how people are using Twitter. How, like, if you want to, like, D&D community, for example. Like, you know, when I first started using Twitter, I sort of logged on. I started following the hashtag, seeing how, what kind of talks people were having, how it was being used, who the players were, who, who was talking, who was doing the, the, most of the talking, whatever. Started following the right people. And I sort of got a feel for it before I started really using it. I sort of understood after a while of, of just seeing, you know, a couple of days of, of seeing what, what it was about, I jumped in and I started having my own, you know, ask questions. I would ask questions first. I remember that's how I started using it. I would pose a question with the D&D hashtag and then two, three, four people started answering and we would start having little back and forth conversations. And then it sort of, I sort of took it from there. So I, I think using the hashtag is important because, because it, one, it allows you to keep your, 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 topics focused and it allows other people who may be following you to filter you out if they don't have a, an interest in what you're saying. So it kind of works two ways. Uh, it works as a courtesy for other people and it works for you as a way to keep your conversation in, in focus. Um, and I think that, that following the, like I said, following the right people um, and interacting with people and, and being a, you know, if someone, if you see someone throw a question up on Twitter Jump in and answer it. Help some help people. Um, offer an idea. Offer a suggestion. Offer an insight that you may have. Even if you feel that what you have to say may not be too interesting, you never know. Someone may appreciate what you have to say because that's the one thing they were looking for, and it happened to come out of you. So I, that's that's the way I see it. I think being um, not 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 using Twitter to be a smartass. Not using Twitter to be the next big comic. You know, just be yourself. Be 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 cool. Be be on point about what it is that the topic is. If you're on RPG chat, for example, don't you know stick to the topic at hand. Answer questions, provide insights, that sort of thing. And eventually, you you pick up you pick up on how to use it and and how you uh, how you develop your own Twitter personality 
and it kind of works. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's that's I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like like through interactions and through seeing how other people use it and 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 that sort of thing is how you build Twitter to work for you and and you become a, a better member of the the Twitter community. I, I one of the one of the one of the things I think helped me out a lot was that I was always willing to help someone out with a question uh, when posed. If I saw someone asking something about DMing or back, I'm talking about back in the in the fourth edition days, mm. you know, it sort of built from there. I, I built my own little community that way and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think that's all great advice is use the hashtags and jump into the conversation when you are invited to do so with questions and, uh, you know, RPG chat and that kind of thing. And to to give your opinions in a polite, respectful way um, when someone is looking for an opinion, uh, I think is a, is a great way to do it. Um, Liz Tice, what about you? How do people get involved in this crazy RPG community? How can they become better community members and, uh, and get started, uh, you know, being the next newbie DM? Oh my goodness. Well, I, I'm not nearly a newbie DM, so I, I love how we're using newbie DM as like <laughs> attainable place. To but I guess the, the main advice I'll give is just expanding on what Liz already said of take time to just passively observe. Um, I think it's, it's, a, it's a great way to learn as, you know, others were saying, learn how people are using Twitter. Um, it's also a great way to get to know, you know, who, if I have questions, who would be the, the person to try to get answers from? So if I know that, you know, Sly Flourish is really, really great for giving advice on this one particular topic, then great, I can ask him. Um, or maybe I want to do something like RPG chat. Maybe I'll go to Liz and ask her for advice. So it, I've learned a lot about, you know, who the um, sort of quote unquote experts are um, <laughs> by just watching it. Well, reading. Right. Um, and and learning that way. And I think it's it's worked worked really well for me, um, not only personally for my my gaming, but also professionally. Right. Because I know, hey, if I if I have a question, I know I can go to Wolfgang, um, Wolfgang Bauer and ask him because I've seen him tweet about it. So mm-hmm. I'll, I can just shoot him an email and know that he can probably answer my question. Um, or if, you know, <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's really valuable to just sit back and, and observe. And I will reiterate again to think before you tweet people. Yeah. Yeah. I, and you know, it sounds like a big piece of advice coming from everybody is kind of, Treat it like you would a conversation with someone face-to-face. Uh, mm-hmm. Make sure you're listening as much as you are contributing, um, which I think is, is always a great piece of advice. Uh, and thinking before you necessarily uh, talk. But if you don't want to think, scream into the void.com. It's like I have stock in that site or something. Uh, and, of course, Sly Flourish Mike Shea. Uh, you know, you are, you are the big fish man on Twitter in in this Twitter pond. Uh, so, um, what are some advice that you would give to people? I have data to prove that there are bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, uh, I, I really, you know, I really love what Liz, what, what Liz said that, you know, um, you know, that we, that, 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 uh, I can't even, I can't even articulate it any better. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, so one one thing I would I would say is um, that you know if you're on Twitter, you know give give positive energy. You know, not to get all hippie about it, but you know, there's positive energy and there's negative energy, and we're you know if if this is the intellectual DNA strand of of humanity, and and I I like to think of it that way, then we are we are putting stuff into it, and we have to decide if we're poisoning the well or if we're helping to clean it. And, um, you know, I think the more positive we are, the more positive our tweets are, you know, not naive, right. But, but positive, um, you know, one thing, uh, so, so Tracy, Tracy Hurley, mm-hmm. um, who, who posts on Twitter a lot and was, was, you know, somebody I've been following for, for a long, long time. Um, you know, she really given, given kind of that, that really rough, you know, sort of, sort of spot, you know, being, being a, a, a female gamer and, and with all the baggage that comes with that. Um, on Twitter, being able to maintain 
the, the you know her her kind of positive examples, right? She 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 wants things to go in a, in a certain direction, and instead of talking about how everything else sucks, she goes out of her way to say this is a good, this is great, right? And she points at the good stuff, mm-hmm. and and it's good stuff, right? And I think that's just a great way of adding positive energy when, particularly when you're facing such a lot of negative energy. I, I, you know, just that that whole idea, and you know, again. You know, I'm just reiterating again, but that whole idea of like, you know, who are you posting this for? Are you posting it for people to read and and to make their lives better? Or are you posting it because you want to do something like scream into the void? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's a, a really important question. It's something I, you know, and I fail at it all the time, but I always try to say to myself, is this something that's useful to somebody else? You know, am I making someone else's life a little bit better with this? You know, it's only 140 characters and we're all sitting there. We're all busy and we're typing in the grocery lines and whatnot. But, you know, is this is this something that's valuable to people? Is this something that's going to make people's lives better? I think is a really a good way to think about it. Um, another one, and I know that this is this is kind of another another big one with just general behavior is uh, lose the sarcasm. Mm. You know, when you pretend you're being a jerk just to be sarcastic, just to kind of, you know, show irony, you're still being a jerk and you look like a jerk. And, no, but, you know, people aren't going to tell the difference. So instead of being like, oh, no, I was being ironic when I did that, just doesn't really translate that well. It doesn't uh, translate, right? it's, <laughs> no. like, it's like email, right? Like, you know, I learned this in business long ago. If you're going to have any kind of conversation with emotion, go have a conversation in person. If you can't do that, call them on the phone. And if you can't do that, wait until you can. And then follow up with the email once everything's clear. But, you know, people love just pouring out emails and causing problems. And I think the same is true with Twitter. We, 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 we go straight to the emotion and we throw it on there. We don't think about what we're doing. Yeah. Um, to get more tactical, uh, again, going back to science, uh, follow if you're particularly if you're interested in D and D stuff, but I would say also in RPG stuff in general, and you really want to follow what I consider to be one of the best people in this community. Follow Alpha Stream Teo Sabadia. Oh. just you know, absolutely fantastic guy, good friend of mine. I've you know, like like newbie DM. I met him through Twitter, uh, and you know, just he's 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 a powerhouse designer for for D and D. Um, I, I got to work with him on at least one project that I can think of and, and probably more. And he, on Twitter, he is the second most retweeting D and D hashtag tweeter. So he is a giver, you know, he goes, he, if you, you know, if you think about like, how do you filter the internet, you know, how do you, how do you put somebody in place or something in place so that what you're getting is quality content. If you're following him, then you're already have, you know, you have a filter on it that says, you know, good stuff is coming out of this account. So, you know, if you're going to follow anybody, follow AlphaStream. Um, and and last, one thing that, you know, just, just I, I think we can kind of keep in mind with all of this is, you know, we are so much smarter now because of this kind of level of access that we have. And when we think about dungeon mastering, we think about GMing, you know, the access that we now have to this, this giant intellectual pool of ideas and creative energy and interesting, you know, thoughts and, di- and, and diversity, you know, turning your back on any of it or, or kind of hand waving it or, or downplaying it, you know, you're missing out, right? Like there's so much information there. And if you think about the way we had the DM, you know, 30 years ago, when the best advice you could get was like once a month in the back of a magazine. And and now we can't read it all if we started right now, you know, and then not even to think about YouTube and watching videos on YouTube, you know, like the amount of experience that's out there that we can capitalize on and that we can learn from and make all of our, you know, this is my, right. My goal in life is to make better GMs, right? My goal in life is for all of us to be better GMs. And, and God, the, you know, it's, it, it really staggers my mind when I think about the wide level of access where like, yeah, I can post a thing that says like, Hey, Jeremy Crawford and Chris Perkins, you know, what's a cool way to run the D and D five E vampire. And both of them give me responses back, you know, and it, it was within an hour or something like that. And before it'd be like, I, maybe they'd read my letter out of 50,000, right. you know, and maybe they'd post something. And, and now it's just this, this, you know, I think it's just fantastic. So you know, as advice, I would just say, just, you know, keep in mind how, how valuable that is and, and, and use it as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah. That's, those are all really, really great points, especially like you said, talking to the character limit allows them to actually answer more questions. Yeah. So both, both Jeremy Crawford and Chris Perkins were not on Twitter for a long time. Like the entire 4E time they, they stayed away from it. And I, I, if I recall, at least I know Perkins said it, and I think, I think Crawford may have said it as well, that, you know, they were really worried about this kind of 
interconnected, you know, like they, they want to go do stuff, right. They want to make books and, and if they get caught up in Twitter and they're like, Oh God, no, you know, you know, they, they, they were pulling like, like a Neil Stevenson said it like, you know, I can either write your emails or I can write more books that you want to read. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but, but then they both realize like, wait a minute, because of the character limit and because of these, you know, the, the functionality, because it's, it's so kind of the, the rapid response, they, they do have it. And Perkins completely turned around on it. And he says that, yeah, he went from being really afraid of it or, 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 you know, really kind of apprehensive of it to, to embracing it. And, and, you know, it, uh, again, yeah, it's really, really, his feed is really popular and the kind of information is fantastic. I'm bilingual. I speak, you know, I, I, I speak Spanish. My, my day job is in a Spanish language TV network. So all day I'm thinking in Spanish. And then when I come home, I sort of flip a switch and I'm in English my kids and my wife and stuff. And I don't tweet in Spanish. I don't, I never use Twitter in Spanish. I don't think I have much of an internet, you know, Spanish language following in Spanish language countries. I mean, I know there's a huge D and D community in Spain, for example. And then I do have some Spanish followers, but I just, I find that really odd. It's weird. Like I could have there's a lot, a, more, a lot of untapped potential right there. I could have a lot more interactions <laughs> in Spanish. Maybe maybe the stoned beholder should start tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a weird thought that just came to me. I gotta tap into that. <laughs> yeah, just just to, to pile on. So one of the one of the sites I run is D and D tweets. And D&D Tweets is an automated site that um, reads through that giant pile of tweets that I'm pulling in every day. It's not that giant, but it's pretty big. And um, for a while, the number one tweet, uh, you know, the, the, the number one tweets for a while were all Japanese. Mm. And I had to go open up Google Translate to say, like, what are all these people? Like, they're just getting retweeted like crazy. Like, what is this about? And it was sort of this constant conversation and petition to get them to translate the player's handbook into Japanese. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Like, there is this giant untapped sort of thing. And, like, none of us, I never saw it, right? Like, it never even occurred to me that that was a big deal until I did this sort of, you know, giant pivot on all the all the tweets that are coming through and saw it. And so, yeah, like, that's, that, that is something. It's such a, a clearly an English-focused, um, you know, I think the domain is so clearly English-focused, but not necessarily by those who use it. Um. This whole yeah. other Twitterverse out there. Yeah, that there's an entire other Twitterverse that probably a lot of people aren't aren't, yeah. aren't tapping into. So I think there's a lot of merit to that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and hopefully, you know, stuff like that gets wizards to stand up and pay attention. And yeah, say, right. Oh, maybe I mean, we could make some money that. if we did this. Yeah. <laughs> like I surprised said to him, be like, by the way, like someone asked me once. Sweets. <laughs> someone asked me once if I wrote RPG Kids a version in Spanish. I'm like, no. Why would I? And then I'm thinking, why didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember what language it is, but somebody came to me for Lazy Dungeon Master and for Aeon Wave and said, can I translate this? I was like, yeah, go ahead. All right, guys. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for the roundtable this week. Of course, we want to know what the people out there think. Um, so, you know, tell us about your opinions about the D&D Twitter community. You can find us over at thetomeshow.com or at facebook.com slash thetomeshow. And Mike Shea, where can people find you? Slyflourish.com and Twitter.com slash Slyflourish. And uh, Liz Tice, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter. It's just my name, Liz Tice. My last name is spelled Liz the Is. Excellent, excellent. And Enrique Bertrand, where can people find you? On, at NobyDM.com and on Twitter at NobyDM. And you can come over to Miami and find me in the streets of Miami having a crazy wild fun. Oh. <laughs> wow, what an offer. That sounds great. Come find me in Miami. Come, come look. <laughs> and uh, Liz Bauman, thank you for being on the roundtable for the first time. Uh, You're welcome. It was wonderful. Well, I hope you come back to discuss the latest D&D news with us because uh, it would be lovely to have you on again. Um, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at D20Blonde. That's blonde with an E. Um, you can find me at theilluminerdy.com and you can also find me at patreon.com forward slash RPG chat. Excellent. Excellent. And be sure to join her for the next RPG chat. Uh, it's going to be a great time. She also just, uh, can I give her a plug real quick? They created a great index for the uh, monster manual. We really did. Yes, you did. Yes. (laughs) Back when wizards denied us a 
and monster manuals listing you guys came through and yeah, we like it's awesome. Illustrated by Brian F. and Patterson of D20Monkey.com. It's beautiful. Well, yes, where can people get that? It's over at the Illuminati. Boom, boom. All right, we'll post it up there along with, of course, Mike Shea's uh, uh, Monster Manual Index as well, right? Didn't you make one, Mike? Yeah, mine was lame. <laughs> but I, I will say the only thing that mine did is you could cut it down into one page and paste it in the back of the book. Oh, there you go. You That's should just get both. That's really what you should do is go exactly. get both. Um, so, because both are better than having none. Uh, <laughs> uh, and what time is that RPG chat, Liz? At 9 p.m. Eastern on Thursday nights. All right, everybody. You can find me on Twitter at James Intercasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Okay, everybody. Uh, you can also check out my blog. It's all about Exploration Age, the fifth edition world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Liz, Liz, Enrique, and Mike. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup, and thanks to Sam Dillon for getting this podcast out there on the airwaves. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to The Roundtable.